Good afternoon, Jen here. Um, just wanted to chat a little bit about this whole Twitter potential buyout from Elon Musk um, because it leads into a bigger problem in our country right now. And so I just wanted to really quickly talk about it. So Elon Musk has put in a bid to buy out Twitter. And yes, he's using the framing that he wants to crack down on for, and, you know, make room for more free speech um, and has argued that Twitter does not allow free speech and centers, censors people. Um, there's a huge problem with this. <laughs> First of all, Elon Musk is the richest man in the world. So as the wealthiest man in the world, he has an extreme amount of power. If he were to buy out Twitter, he would have full control over that platform. And that is a major platform for communicating out to the world, whether it be news, whether it be, you know, gossip or whatever, whatever you're using uh, Twitter for as a platform. He also, let's face it, he's an oligarch. Um, in this country, since the 1980s, we have moved closer and closer to an oligarchy as opposed to a democracy because when Reagan became president, they started pushing the trickle-down economics. They started making the argument that we needed to focus on supply-side economics, quote-unquote, and that we need to get to give tax cuts to all the corporate business owners and all the wealthy elites so that they could take that money and invest it into their workers, into their businesses, so that more they can create more jobs and there would be more wealth all around. That was the framing of it. That is not what has, that is not what has played out in the last 40 years. So studies have been done on this, and um, you can go find those studies if you Google it, that what has happened is that all of that money has moved up to the top, to the richest people, to the big corporate owners, and, and all of the wealthiest, you know, millionaires who've now become billionaires, and, you know, Elon Musk could become the first trillionaire, because they don't actually invest in their workers, and invest in uh, expansion, invest in more jobs. What they do is they buy their stocks back and they continue to reinvest in their company, creating more wealth for themselves and for their shareholders. So the wealth just keeps going more and more to the top. And there's a, a huge disparity between those of us at the bottom and the richest people in the country and what this creates is a lopsided imbalance of power because when you have money, you have buying power. So what do they buy? They buy their politicians to continue to fight for the legislation that they want. And that includes more tax cuts for the rich and less governmental regulations. Without government regulations, they can do whatever they want. They can discriminate. They can invest their money however they want to. They don't have to pay any taxes. It's this vicious cycle that has now gotten us to where we are today, which is an imbalanced economy 
And there's only a few voices that are really heard and represented. And this is a huge problem. And not only that, but when you have that huge disparity in income, you also have monopolies. And, you know, monopolies are are bad in this country because you don't want one company consolidating all of the power of a particular product to where there's no competition and they can set prices however they want to. That's what they do in the drug industry. They have, you know, for a certain amount of years, they have a patent on the drug and they can jack up prices until it's fair game for other companies to then make a, a generic version of it. And it's not regulated. And that's why medicines and pharmaceuticals are so expensive in this country. And not only that, but they have power to bust unions and to, again, bribe politicians to be anti-union and pro-corporatist. So it's this vicious cycle that keeps dividing workers from business owners and especially large corporate business owners who we've gotten to a point where they pretty much control everything. I mean, we're to the point where, I mean, legalized bribery is legal um, in terms of politicians and who you get elected because there's no real safeguards on how much money can be spent on elections and on politicians and where that money's coming from, whether it's coming from, you know, even outside of the country. That's it's. There's a lot of dark money out there. And it is the corporatists that continue to promote a right-wing agenda because it's traditionally, you know, keep the government out of my pockets, let me do what I want. And, you know, they, they try to use everyday workers, everyday Americans, they manipulate them by saying the government's going to come take your money and, and tax you and this and that. And they argue anti-government because, not because... You know, they argue anti-government because they don't want you voting for government regulations either. It's for their interests, though. It's not for your interests. If we had a pro-government mentality, we could do things like Biden is trying to do that actually help workers, like the infrastructure plan that he did finally get passed. That's going to help everybody. That is going to help our, you know, with our roads. It's going to help with... um getting people access to internet. It, and if we were to push a bill that actually did tax the rich m- at much higher rates than they are at now, they're at record lows right now, then that would free up our pop- our pocketbooks because that money that we would take from the richest people in the in the country, which by the way, it would be a marginal tax rate. So they wouldn't be taxed on the first I don't even know, like four hundred to five hundred thousand, um, maybe up to. I I don't have my numbers in front of me, but it could be up to millions of dollars. Would still be at a normal tax rate. It's when they get to a certain level of income, anything beyond that gets taxed at a higher marginal rate. That is the money that would be used to do things like funding public education, which is in everybody's best interest. It's an, an investment in the future, or you know, funding our Medicare. Or funding, you know, 
child, the child tax credit, uh, giving people below the poverty line a leg up so that their kids don't go hungry so that, again, we can invest in our future with our children who need food to be able to succeed in school and flourish as human beings. I mean, I could go on and on and on about how we could use that money. But my point is that the further the disparity in wealth the less of a voice that us average Americans have and the quicker we are losing our ability to have a voice at all because we are becoming an oligarchy and now you have a Republican Party who is the minority, who is doing everything in their power to take back power through voter suppression, through media manipulation, um, you know, through dirty-handed tactics within government, um, you know, things that some of the escapades that McConnell has pulled with Supreme Court justices, um, the hypocrisy in the la- when he was the, se- the speaker of the, or the Senate House Majority Leader, and, you know, ba- we basically ended up with three conservative justices that should have been more liberal and more progressive judges. And uh, he cheated us out of those. And, and I don't want to get into that story. But again, you have a lot of corporate money funneling into right-wing causes. Um, and... It's because they, their motivation is always the same. They want to make as much money as possible without government involvement. But this only benefits a few people in this country. It benefits the wealthiest people who don't need the benefit. And slowly but surely, they're taking power and they're manipulating their base into thinking that if we allow government to take over a some of those funds and do bring it back to the majority of Americans and helping and investing in everyday Americans and investing in this country. They have them brainwashed to think that they're they're just they're taking that money from them and they're giving it to poor people or they're giving it to people of color or minor, minorities who don't deserve it. It's a very clear tactic that's been happening over and over and over again since the 1800s. Okay? So I get frustrated because there's so much at play here and there really is so much you have to understand about about rhetoric and tactics and manipulation and it does at the heart of it is the media for sure um and that kind of brings me back to Musk because you know ever since the media the media again also over the last 40 years has consolidated into very large, powerful broadcasting groups that hold all the power, one of them being Sinclair Broadcasting Group, who owns a huge sector of the media conglomerate and feeds into like astronomical numbers of households. I think it's like I don't know the exact numbers, but it's 89 markets. It's, it's, they own 200 and, and operate 294 television stations. 
Their revenue is $2.73 billion. At least that was in 2016 where I, when I looked it up. They, they hold this huge power, and they are very conservative-driven. Their agenda is very conservative, and so they're feeding news in a very biased way into households all over the country because they're a huge private company with their own interests. So, of course, they're going to feed into and support biased physicians that will serve those interests. So if Elon Musk takes over Twitter, which is the one of the largest social media companies that broadcasts information and reaches all over the globe, and I mean everybody knows what Twitter what Twitter is, and um, it's highly influential. If that ownership falls into his hands, his motivation, despite his free speech argument, is not free speech. It is so he can control the speech. So he can control that hugely powerful social media platform for his own ends. This is what they all want. This is a natural human tendency. I mean, it's, it's innate in us. We're going to serve our own interests first. It's unfortunately how it is. That doesn't mean you can't, you know, be a philanthropist. That doesn't mean you can't take the the good of or betterment of society into consideration but ultimately i think we do tend to bend towards what best serves us we tend to want to protect our own interests and that is why you don't let one person own a platform like that it needs to be publicly owned um it's not democratic otherwise. And with information and the flow of information, I think it's so important. And that's why there's so many issues with our media today in general, because everything is so privatized and owned by so few people and controlled by so few people that it's not how we get our information is not democratized anymore. It's highly manipulated. And accessing democratized information is becoming more and more difficult to do. And those platforms still exist, but those platforms are not elevated the way that those privatized, biased, privately owned billion dollar companies are, are elevated because they're all in it. They all have skin in the game to benefit their interests. So I just really get frustrated because I don't think everyone understands everything that's at play. And I'm only hitting on like extremely surface level points of this whole problem. It's very difficult to speak to every little thing at play because there's so much that goes into it, obviously. Um... I mean, we could go down a rabbit, so many rabbit holes, like the history of Fox News, um, the Fairness Doctrine, when we used to have to hold licenses to broadcast, whereas now we don't have to hold licenses because everything's driven by social media, and that's a free-for-all. Um, we could talk about, I mean, we could talk about, in, in, you know, the investment side of things and and how that plays into everything. It's just, there's so much, but... It's just not black and white. 
but at the same time, it's clear as day to me that, you know, and I made this comment, I think I, I posted on Facebook about this. There's such a tendency to want to revere and worship people with money because we live in a capitalist society and the media and Hollywood and celebrity and, you know, social media amplifies all that and, and cable news amplifies all that. We just worship rich people because we make the assumption that rich people are rich because they're successful and smart and intelligent and they work their asses off and they got where they, where they are because of all of those reasons. When in reality, in the majority of the vast majority of cases, all of these people came from money before they got to where they are at. They had a huge leg up. They had, they either inherited money or, you know, there was wealth in their family to begin with. It's just like less than, it's probably less than 1% of people that actually do the thing where they come from poverty and they work their way up to becoming a wealthy person. It's so rare. And the media likes to highlight those people as if it's a possibility, but the reality is in the majority of cases, it's not a possibility. And a lot of that wealth, the majority of that wealth, I would say, is tied to property. And if you think about it, up until about 100 years ago, the only people who could own property were men, white men. So we've had a, we have a lot of catching up to do because property's obviously been a very lucrative investment and it stays in the family. And once you own it, it's yours and it's in your family and you can do what you want with it and you can continue to make profits off of it. So again, there's just so much and the American dreams bullshit and so much is controlled by so few So just don't get seduced by this whole Elon Musk thing. Like so many people kiss the ground he walks on and the guy, the guy was also, you know, inherited money and he got to where he is not because he worked his ass off because he was in a good position to be able to do it. So I don't know. I don't, don't be fooled by his holier-than-thou freedom of speech rhetoric because at the end of the day, he's doing it for his own interest. He wants to control the narrative and he wants to own Twitter. He wants to have more power. The seduction of power is massive. So I guess those are my two cents. I get really frustrated at, at how the media manipulates and how, you know, people just don't take the time to educate themselves on the vast majority of issues at play in any given topic. And I do get frustrated because we continue to feed into the lies that the rich and the powerful tell. And there's so much we could do if we came together as a society and stopped allowing that the media and allowing rich powerful people to divide us, you know, even politicians. I mean, the rhetoric out there is the worst it's ever been in terms of trying to divide us between each other. That is by design. 
That is to prevent us from coming together and demanding change that benefits all of us. Let's focus on culture wars instead of worrying about how we can access medications and, you know, insulin, for goodness sakes. I have so many friends who need insulin as diabetics and it's astronomical prices and getting access to it's becoming harder and harder. And it absolutely should not be that way. It's completely something that could be changed by government regulation and nobody is doing anything about it because why? Because pharmaceutical companies have the money to bribe their politicians. That is it. That is what it boils down to. You know, we could come together and we could demand, you know, when Biden passed the temporary, you know, child tax credit, it raised the child poverty level. Like it, it, sorry, I should say it lowered the child poverty level by extreme amounts. I think it was something like 30 or 40%. I don't remember the exact numbers, but I mean, it raised so many kids out of poverty and they weren't going hungry. And the Republicans, when it expired, shot it down and didn't renew it and didn't pass the bill that it was consolidated with. So... If you think about it, if we were to put more money into more people's pockets, there would be more money to spend. And therefore, there would be more money going into different areas of the economy that would help generate it and help move it. And yes, right now we are actually at very, we're in a very good economy, but I think that's a direct result of the money that was given to us after COVID, the, the relief bill. And part of that was a child tax credit. And now that it's going away, I mean, we'll see what happens. But investing in everyday people is, to me, the smart, successful path to take. Making the wealthy pay their fair share of taxes will allow us to do that. There's no reason one person in this country should be a trillionaire while there are people starving and going hungry, while there are massive amounts of children going hungry. It's asinine. Or that there's so many freaking homeless people in our country, but we have a man who's going to be a trillionaire. It's insane. It makes no sense to me. So <laughs> I'm on a, going on a little bit of a rant, but I just think we need to come together and start looking at the realistic problems in this country and stop getting distracted by culture wars that don't actually exist. Critical race theory, the problem they're manufacturing doesn't exist. It's only taught at the graduate level, generally in law school, Kindergartners don't study CRT. High schoolers don't study CRT. Most undergrads don't study CRT. Republicans like to tie it and say, well, they, they still teach aspects of it through, you know, race relations and, and 
you know, civil rights and, and slavery and, and, and pushing, I don't even know, honestly, what their arguments are. Because my argument is, oh, you mean they're teaching history? Yeah. Well, I mean, if we want to not repeat mistakes of the past, we kind of have to teach history accurately so that we don't do it again. And no, that's not about telling kids they're bad because, or they're racist. Like, that's ridiculous. Again, these are manufactured problems. These are not things that are actually happening in schools. They're manufactured problems to create culture wars, to divide us and keep us busy arguing about this non-existent problem so that we're not paying attention to where the money's going and what we could be doing for this country, for everyday people, financially and with our health and with our, educa- our actual funding of education, which is, to me is fundamentally important to a democracy. It's asinine. Like, stop falling for the culture wars. Immigration. Yes, there are some issues with integration, but they are vastly overblown and completely, there's a lot of lies that are told about what's going on at the border to get you angry and fired up so that you vote for that particular candidate and that particular election. Because fear is what is effective. That's what motivates people. It's playing to people's emotions. Instead of actually looking at issues and problems, what those actual problems are and how to solve them in clear, logical, rational conversations. That doesn't fire up a base. That's boring. This might be my longest podcast yet, so I'm going to end it there. But again, I, I just want people to like take time to read things and take time to educate yourself on issues and try not to give in to taglines on articles that are purposefully written to generate an emotion and get you angry or riled up or upset so that you start basically so that you act in the way that they want you to act, vote for vote in the way they want you to vote. Actually look at the issues and what is, what is truly happening. And some of that is being educated on what the right sources of information are. And I know that's hard to decipher, but there are ways to do it. And, you know, it's not easy. I get it. You have to, I mean, I happen to have a degree that, that with an emphasis in rhetoric. So it's, it's, and I am well read. So it's very easy for me to see when language is being manipulated or used in ways to manipulate you. Um, and also I, you know, as you get into higher levels of education, you learn how to de- decipher sources much easier and you know kind of what to trust and what not to trust. So, you know, I don't want to say everyone needs to go out and get more of an education, but I do think it helps to read more things because you start to see patterns and you start to see make associations and you start to have a broader knowledge of the issues. So just being a, more of a reader is going to help you more than anything, to be quite honest. So anyway, those are my two cents. Um, I'll probably speak on it many times down the road, but for now I'm going to leave it there. I hope you're all having a wonderful Saturday and... Um, I'll see you on the other side. Bye.